Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. This week's message comes from Pastor Brian Vaughn. That's so exciting, isn't it? Good morning. How are you guys doing? Happy Father's Day. That's exciting. My, my dad is actually here and hanging out with us today, so that's cool. Uh, and being Father's Day, I thought I'd kind of take the prerogative uh, and show you my family. Uh, we recently had some pictures made, and uh, this is our family. And uh, the Carson, uh, our oldest, he's 21. Uh, Eli is 20. Luke is 18. Kaylin is 16, and would want you to know that she's getting ready to turn 17. And Joel is eight years old, and, uh, and Meredith is, or looks like she's 25 years old, so um, yeah, so I love these people. <laughs> In fact, I asked, I asked uh, some of the kids, like, you guys okay if I show that picture, and one of them, I won't say which, looked at it, and like, yeah, I look pretty good, so it'll be good, it's, it's fine, uh, but these people, they made me a husband and a father, and, uh, and more than just about anything in the world, that's what I love being. I love being a husband and a father. And, you know, they've helped me really understand more of the character of God. They've helped me understand more of what God is like. In fact, before I was married and before we had kids, yeah, I had a concept of God. And I would read things uh, like, you know, God is our, our heavenly father and wouldn't completely get a picture of that until, until I became a dad. But they've helped me understand a little more about the character of God. And uh, the, the book of the Bible that we're going to jump into uh, this morning, I think, helps us answer the question, what is God like? And we're, we're going to look at that in, in a few minutes. But, but first, I, I want to talk about prophets. And if, uh, if you're just joining us and uh, this is your first time, we've been reading through the Bible together from, from the beginning, from Genesis, and we're going all the way through. And we started in January. And we've, we're now in the place of like second Kings, second Chronicles, and we're doing this. It's, it's the daily Bible in chronological order. And so it puts things kind of in the order that they happen, not always exactly like they're laid out in the scriptures that we have before us. And now we're starting to see some of these prophets thrown in. If you were with us a couple weeks ago, we talked about the Kings and the, the kingdom of Israel, and it divided into two kingdoms. And then there was the, the kingdom of Judah is the Southern kingdom, the kingdom of Israel is the Northern kingdom and how they had all these kings and most of those kings were evil. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so we've talked about that the past couple of weeks. This week, we, we're seeing a little more of the prophets and the prophets that have books named after them. I think some of the things we've read this week, you had the prophet of Joel, um, you had Jonah, and uh, you've got Hosea, which is where we're going to land this morning. But I want you to imagine for a moment just what you think about when you hear the word prophet. Like, what are prophets? You know, what's the image that comes to your mind? For some of us, it might be like a fortune teller there with a crystal ball going, oh, and it's getting clearer, right? 
Uh, for some of us, it might be the, the crazy guy on the street corner holding up the sign that says the end is near. You got that, that image? <laughs> Although some of the prophets are kind of like that. And then some of us probably just think, oh, a prophet does prophecy, which means they're predicting things that are to come, right? But in the culture of the Bible, it's not exactly like that. They're definitely not fortune tellers. Uh, they occasionally are people that seem a little crazy. <laughs> and sometimes they talk a little bit about things that are to come. But in the culture of the Bible, and in what we have in front of us in the scriptures, the prophets were messengers. They were messengers sent by God who reminded Israel of the implications of keeping and breaking the covenant that the Lord had made with them. They were messengers, and they, they kind of kept a watch on the covenant that God had made with, with his people and said, hey, if you're walking with God, you're keeping the covenant that, that you made with him, then these are the implications of that. But if you break that covenant, here's the consequences of what that looks like. Now, what's the covenant, though? That's the question we, we need to ask as we're jumping in. What's the covenant that God had made with his people? Well, back in Exodus, uh, we read this. This was back in January, I guess. We read how the, the people of Israel had become a nation while they were in Egypt, and they became a great people, many in number, but the Egyptians were threatened by that, enslaved them. So for 400 years... They were growing in number, but they were also enslaved and they cried out to God and God heard their cries and he sent a delivery, he sent a guy named Moses and Moses helped to deliver them out of Egypt and they're moving into a land that God was going to give them and, and God is meeting with Moses and he's saying, um, here's what it looks like for these people to be my people, to walk with me and to walk with each other and to be a community. This is what it looks like. And as a part of that, he makes a covenant with them. And here's the covenant. It's in Exodus 19. You don't have to turn there. It'll be on the screen. But I we needed this concept. If the prophets are the people that talk about the covenant, this is the covenant they're talking about. It says, Then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. And the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. He said, this is what I've done for you. I brought you out of Egypt. And I love that image. I brought you out on eagle's wings and I brought you to myself. Now, verse five, now if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on the earth. For all the earth belongs to me. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message that you must give to the people of Israel. God said, if you will keep my covenant and obey me, then you'll be my own special treasure. And I will make you a kingdom of priests. You'll be a holy nation. In fact, in that, you'll be a light among the nations. We talked about that last week if you were here. And this is the covenant that they made with God. It says, so Moses returned up from the mountain and, and called the elders of the people and told them everything the Lord had commanded him. And all the people responded together. In fact, let's read that together. 
we will do everything the Lord has commanded. (laughs) So Moses brought the people's answer back to the Lord. We will do everything the Lord commanded. The people were like, that sounds great, God. Yes, we thank you for bringing us out of Egypt on eagle's wings. Thank Thank you for bringing us back to yourself. We will obey you and we will keep your commandments and we will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. We will do everything that you've commanded. And if you've been tracking with this, you know that since January, almost everything that we've talked about is how the people did not do what the Lord commanded and how they did not obey. Now, there have been bright spots along the way, but for the most part, they kept breaking this covenant that they had made with the Lord. And so, God sends these prophets, these messengers, to tell them, hey, these are the implications and these are the consequences of what it looks like when you either keep or you break the covenant. And most of the, a lot of the time, those consequences are pretty dire. But we kind of get that, right? We've seen consequences in our own lives of what it looks like when we don't walk in the ways of the Lord, but yet we do what's right in our own eyes. So we get that. There are consequences. There are things that happen. But in almost every single one of the prophets, there's also a message of hope. And those messages give us a picture of God that shows him, gives us a look, a glimpse into his character that shows us that he's someone that we can trust and that we can run after with all of our hearts. So a prophet. We're going to talk about the prophet Hosea this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Hosea's right after Daniel, right before Joel. In, uh, in, the, in the scriptures the way that we have them. And he's one of these guys. He's one of these covenant watchers, one of these messengers. It says, the Lord gave this message to Hosea, son of Beeri, during the years when Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings in Judah, and Jeroboam, the son of Jehoash, or Joash, was king of Israel. So right there, just giving us a little bit of timeline. If we had the timeline we've been looking at the last couple of weeks, we'd see where he, where he fell. He's mostly, he talks to both Israel and Judah. And the king of Israel at the time is a guy named Jeroboam. Now don't get him confused with the first Jeroboam that we talked about. This is a few kings down. And this guy is referred to as Jeroboam II. He's also referred to as even more evil than the first one. And if you remember that, that guy was pretty evil. So this is Hosea's settings. Verse two, when the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. First message, not a great message. Okay, I don't know about you, but if God kind of, you know, I'm sitting with the Lord, it's my quiet time uh, tomorrow morning, and he says, hey, I want you to go marry a prostitute. I would be like, huh? I don't know that that's a good idea, God. Uh, as Steve Taboo around here says, I think I had a bad burrito the night before, right? 
That just doesn't sound like a message that I want. But apparently God made it clear to him uh, because the next verse says, so he went and he married a prostitute. And God says that I have a purpose in this. It's going to illustrate, and your relationship with your wife and, and her children, it's going to illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. And God did some pretty extreme things with some of these prophets, okay? And here's a note. If you're thinking, uh, if you're single right now and you're thinking, this gives me the permission to do missionary dating. <laughs> it's not what he's saying, okay? He's not saying, hey, just go and marry whoever. No, he had a particular purpose for, uh, for Hosea here. Let's keep going. So Hosea married Gomer. Gomer's the, that's her wife. Just stay, it's not Gomer Pyle, okay? So Hosea married Gomer, the daughter, <laughs> bad jokes, dad joke, I'm here, got my dad's shirt on, it's it's Father's Day. Okay, so Hosea married Gomer, the daughter of Deblaim, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. And the Lord said, name the child Jezreel. So it's, that didn't sound bad. Jezreel could be, a, you know, in their culture, a pretty name, right? <laughs> Not so much. For I'm about to punish King Jehu's dynasty to avenge the murders he committed at Jezreel. Jezreel was a place. In fact, I will bring an end to Israel's independence. I will break its military power in the Jezreel Valley. Poor Jezreel. Jezreel is carrying, as his name's sake, the, the place where Jehu is going to experience judgment from God. It gets worse. Soon, Gomer became pregnant again and gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to Hosea, name your daughter Lo-Ruhamah. That sounds pretty. That just rolls off the tongue. <laughs> Which means not loved. <clears throat> For I will no longer show love to the people of Israel or forgive them. But I will show love to the people of Judah. I will free them from their enemies, not with weapons and armies or horses and chariots or charioteers, but by my power as the Lord their God. God's saying, hey, I'm, Israel's going to know that they have walked away from me. When they see this child, lo ruhamah means not loved because you've turned your back on my love. After Gomer had weaned lo ruhamah, she became pregnant again and gave birth to a second son. And the Lord said, name him Lo-Ami which means not my people. For Israel is not my people, and I am not their God. God had a purpose through Hosea, through Gomer and, and her indiscretions and through the, the names of these kids to, to identify for the people of Israel that they had broken their covenant with God. And when they'd see them, they, they'd see that this is... The con these are the consequences. Now, before you think, wow, God, that's pretty rough. I mean, those poor kids walk around, this your name. Yeah, I get it, I'm not loved, you know. Sometimes people live up to their name, right? But we'll see in a few minutes that, that God changes their names. But as I was reading through Hosea, and there's a lot to Hosea, we're not gonna hit everything this morning. One thing that, that I really noticed this time reading through is there are, there are several images where God is helping them understand his character, helping them to understand what he is like. Uh, 
And we've probably all asked that question in our lifetime, right? What is God like? I mean, we can't, we can't physically see him. He's not standing right in front of us. So, so what is God like? And I think through Hosea, God was trying to answer that question. There's an old uh, preacher, writer, he's dead now, uh, been dead for a while, but uh, his name's A.W. Tozer. And he wrote this in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy. He says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. The history of mankind will probably show that no people has ever risen above its religion and man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. Worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. And the most portentous fact about any man is not what he at any given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. This is true not only of the individual Christian, but of the company of Christians that compose the church. Always the most revealing thing about the church is her idea of God. So in other words, Tozer's saying, hey, what you believe about God really drives who you are and what you do. And as a church, our view of God, whether it's really low or very high, determine who we are as a body. So what is God like? Well, as we've been working through Hosea just a little bit so far, first, God is like a faithful husband forgiving an adulterous wife. God is like a forgiving husband, a faithful husband forgiving an adulterous wife. If we turn the page a little bit over to Hosea chapter two, and so much of Hosea and a lot of the prophets are written in the form of poetry. And God uses that, that poetry, that verse, so the people can, can remember these words. It's easier to remember, easier to hear, easier to see these images, okay? But he writes this, and these are the words of the Lord. But then, verse 14 of chapter two, but then I will win her back once again. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. I will return her vineyards to her and transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. She will give herself to me there as she did long ago when she was young, when I freed her from captivity in Egypt. So I think it's throwing back, hey, remember the covenant. Remember God brought you out of Egypt. Remember you said we will obey. We will keep his commandments. We will be a holy nation, a kingdom of priests. When that day comes, verse 16, says the Lord, I will, you, will, you will call me husband instead of my master. O Israel, I will wipe away the many names of Baal or Baal, uh, we often pronounce it, from your lips, and you will never mention them again. 
On that day, I will make a covenant with all the wild animals and the birds of the sky and the animals that scurry along the ground, so they will not harm you. I will remove all weapons of war from the land, all swords and bows, so you can live unafraid in peace and safety. I will make you my wife forever, showing you righteousness and justice, unfailing love and compassion. I will be faithful to you and make you mine, and you will finally know me as the Lord. And he uses the personal name of God there, Yahweh. In that day, I will answer, says the Lord. I will answer the sky as it pleads for clouds, and the sky will answer the earth with rain. Then the earth will answer the thirsty cries of the grain and the grapevines and the olive trees. Isn't that beautiful? Painting the picture of himself as this faithful, faithful husband who's pursued his unfaithful wife and brings him back in and will make a new covenant with her. It gets better. This is so cool. Remember the names of the kids? Keep that in your mind. And they, in turn, will answer Jezreel or God plants. Jezreel, the name that first meant judgment on Israel because of an evil king's actions now means God plants. At that time, I will plant a crop of Israelites and raise them for myself. I will show love to those I called not loved or lo ruhamah. Now they'll be loved. And to those I called not my people or lo ami, to those I will say, now you are my people. And they will reply, you are my God. God is like a faithful husband, forgiving an adulterous wife and bringing her back in and loving her. If we were, if we were to go on and look at chapter three and four, there's a point where Hosea, uh, Gomer, his wife had, had strayed from him and had gone back into her former life, back into to prostitution. And, and God tells Hosea, I want you to go and buy back your wife and bring her back home as a picture of God redeeming his people that have prostituted themselves to other gods, purchased this, purchased them and brought them back in. And by, without a doubt to me, that's a, that's a shadow, that's a, that's a glimpse forward to what Christ has done for us. When he bought us back out of our rebellion, out of our sin with his blood, and now says, you are my people. God is like a faithful husband forgiving an adulterous wife. And, and what we see there is that God's unfailing love and compassion are greater than Israel's sin. And in God's faithfulness, he's willing to bring them back in. But we'll get another picture in, in Hosea. Hosea, Isaiah, that's really close, sorry. If I say Isaiah, I apologize. Hosea, that's where we're at. Everybody say Hosea, Hosea, okay. There's another picture in Hosea of God and his character. It's found in chapter 11. So it's just a few pages over. This time God's like a loving father. God is like a loving father, never giving up on a rebellious son. This is a beautiful picture here. In verse one, he says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. I called my son out of Egypt. But the more I called to him, the farther he moved from me. 
offering sacrifices to the image of Baal and burning incense to idols. I myself taught Israel how to walk, leading him along by the hand, but he doesn't even, but he doesn't know or even care that it was I who took care of him. I led Israel along with my ropes of kindness and love. I lifted the yoke from his neck and I myself stooped to feed him. This is a picture of this, this loving father with his, with his child. I remember when my kids were small and, you know, you come up to a road, you got to cross the road. What's the first thing you do? Grab their hand, right? And you want to lead them across it. And it's sometimes, depending on the disposition of the kids, sometimes they're like, yeah, I need that hand because I know that I'm safe with you, dad, right? Walking across. But every once in a while, you'll get a kid, one of your kids, they'll be like, uh-uh, I got to do this myself, jerk their hand away and just walk across, right? You've seen kids like that, right? Or this idea that he's stooping down to, to feed and to meet every need of his child. God said, that's, that's who I am. That's what I'm like. This loving father. Verse five, but since my people refuse to return to me, they will return to Egypt and will be forced to serve Assyria. War will swirl through their cities. Their enemies will crash through their gates. They will destroy them, trapping them in their own evil plans. This is where we get the picture of this rebellious son that has walked away and willingly taken himself, following after other gods and selling himself back into slavery. Because of his actions. Because he wanted... He wanted the gifts of the father more than he wanted the father. The people, they, they liked what God could do for them and could give them, but they turned their back on him. But look at God's heart. Well, he says in verse seven, for my people are determined to desert me. They call me the most high, but they don't truly honor me. Oh, how can I give up, Israel? How can I let you go? How can I destroy you like Adma or demolish you like Zeboim? My heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. God's heart is broken over the rebellion. It says, no, I will not unleash my fierce anger. I will not completely destroy Israel for I am God and not a mere mortal. I am the Holy One living among you and I will not come to destroy for someday the people will follow me. I, the Lord, will roar like a lion and when I roar, my people will return trembling from the west like a flock of birds that will come from Egypt trembling like doves. They will return from Assyria and I will bring them home again, says the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? And God's broken heart, he's like, and he has the power and every right. The people have broken their covenant with him. His children have walked away from him, taking his gifts and slandering them and, and, and wasting them. Got every right to turn his back. But out of his compassionate heart, he said, I can't let you go. I will bring you back and when I roar, my people will come back and they'll follow me and I will bring them home again. God is like a loving father, never giving up on a rebellious son. I 
as I was reading this passage in chapter 11, I, it really made me think a lot about the story that Jesus told in Luke 15 about the, the lost son. In this story, it's a, it's a parable, so Jesus is telling it for a purpose uh, to, to make a point. He talks about uh, a father who had two sons. And the younger son said, Father, I, I want my inheritance right now. And in that culture, that was basically him saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me your stuff. And the father does. He gives him his part of the inheritance and says that he goes off, he runs off to the city, and he squanders his inheritance on reckless living. <laughs> you ever been that? <laughs> you ever seen a kid like that? And he gets to this point where he's like, he, he lost everything. And he's destitute. The only job he can find is on a farm feeding pigs. And he's so hungry, in fact, that he's eating the stuff that, that the pigs are eating. You ever seen that? That's pretty nasty. <laughs> pigs are nasty. And the stuff they eat are nasty. You guys know, you, you got pigs, right? It's just, and he, he says he comes to himself he said, even the, the servants in my father's house are eating better than this. Maybe, maybe if, I, if, I, if I go home and I humble myself enough, then the, the father, and, and I say to him, Lord, if, or father, I will just be one of your hired servants. Just let me do that. You don't have to receive me back as your son. I'll just be a servant and, and serve you. And, and so he rehearses this step. He, he makes his way towards his, towards his home. And he's, I can just see it all along the way. He's like, Lord, I, I've sinned before you and before God. Would you please just take me back? And I've sinned before. He just keeps going over and over in his head. And he, he gets towards his, his home and, and right at the driveway. I, I guess they had driveways. I don't know, a path or whatever, drive path. Whatever it is. Instead of having to continue down, he, he sees his father. And I think the point is the father was watching for him. The father runs to him. And so the son falls before him and he, and he begins to, Lord, I, I, Father, I've sinned before you and before God. And he doesn't even have time to get out this speech that he had prepared. And, and the father's like, hey, my son's back. We're going to throw a party. And he embraces him and put the one robe on and put a, he fully accepts him back as his son. And there's more to the story because a bigger part of the story is, is the older son. And you can go and check that out in Luke 15. But that part of the story made me remind, reminded me of, this, of this, these verses in Hosea 11. And this picture of a loving father never giving up on a rebellious son. God is like this, this husband. This faithful husband. He's like this loving father. And I know some of you in here, you may have had a horrible experience with a spouse. And so it's hard for you to kind of connect with that picture of God. Or some of you may have had a horrible parent, a horrible father or, or mother. And so hearing God referred to as, as our heavenly father, it's hard for you to to get an idea of what that looks like. I just want to encourage you in those moments, just think about all the things that you wish you had had in a father. His presence, his pride, 
his love, his acceptance, or his spouse, someone that loved you unconditionally. Think of those things when you think about God because that's what God is like. He's like a faithful spouse. He's like a loving parent who's patient and loves and cares and always waiting for you to return home. I think the question for us as we, as we close up this morning is who do you identify with the most? In your interactions with God, who do you identify with the most? Do you identify with the adulterous bride, the one who's running after other lovers, running after other gods, breaking her covenant with God? You know, sometimes we, we look at that and we look at Israel and their actions. And, you know, this is thousands of years ago. And they're, they're running after these other gods, these gods of wood and, and gold and idols. And we're like, that's so primitive. We, would do, we don't do stuff like that, right? But our gods look a little different. Our gods are comfort, entertainment, success, status, power, ourselves. <laughs> that's probably our biggest God. That's who we run after run after our own selves, what's right in our own eyes. Or maybe you might identify more with this rebellious son who wants the benefits of the father without loving the father and walking with him. I think we often interact with God as we, we want the kingdom we want the benefits of the kingdom without the king. Without the, the Lord, the master in our life. So who do you identify with? And the good news this morning is regardless. If I'm like that rebellious wife or if I'm, if I'm like that rebellious son. God is waiting to welcome you back. In fact, God's faithfulness and love invites us into a new identity. He invites us back into a new covenant. He invites us back into his family. I'm gonna close with this passage in 1 Peter chapter two. This is in the New Testament. This is after the, he's writing to followers of Jesus, people who are walking with Jesus. And so we get a picture here of the, everything that, that we talked about and, and God's heart and desire for, for, for Israel has now been transferred to those who follow Jesus. And Peter writes this, but you are not like that. And I want you to listen. Listen for things that we've already read in scripture so far this morning, okay? But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Remember that? That was back in Exodus 19. Again, Peter's saying, hey, that covenant is your covenant too. It's for you too. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Watch this. Once you had no identity as a people, lo ami, but now you are God's people, ami. 
once you received no mercy or were not loved, lo ruhamah, but now you have received God's mercy. Now you are loved, ruhamah. Isn't that cool? Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. And I think Peter has in his mind because that's what Israel did. They ran after the worldly desires, the desires of the nations around them. They wage against your, against your very souls. So stay away, keep away. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. That's what we talked about last week. When you walk with God, when you become his people, you are light and you're meant to be the light of the world. Cheyenne and Jimmy are gonna come and, and lead us in a song. And as they do that, I want you thinking about that question. Lord, have I been an adulterous wife to you? Have I been a rebellious son? And am I willing to humble myself and to run back to the open arms of that faithful husband or that loving father. Let's go ahead and, and stand. And as they do that, feel free if you want to come up and do some business with the Lord and, and, and pray uh, while kneeling, then you're welcome to do that. If you'd like somebody to pray with you about something, we're gonna have folks back there at the prayer room. And also, as we've talked this morning, you may be like, you know what? I, I've never stepped into that covenant with God. I've never truly followed Jesus and accepted his invitation into a new identity, and I really want to. Then I wanna encourage you to, to move from where you are and to go back to that prayer room as well and talk to somebody and tell them, this is what I wanna talk about. There'll be folks back there to receive you. But let's use the words to, to this song and, and really the words of the songs that, we, that we've already sang this morning, this moment, this space, to say, God, what are you doing in me? Because I want to run after you. So sing again. Hey guys, thanks so much for checking us out online today. If you want more information about the church or things that's going on here, be sure to check out theriverCC.com or download our app and visit us there. Also, as we go through the Bible this year, we want to help keep you engaged on what's being read and talked about each week. To do that, we have a podcast called The Word This Week, which will recap each week's readings, as well as have special guests who will talk about what God showed them that week. So be sure to check that out on all podcast streaming platforms. And again, thanks so much for checking us out online.